0: Welcome to the Milk Bar. Welcome
1: along to episode 533 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Quarry Bank Musical Theatre Youth Society all about their forthcoming production of Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. He'll be on stage at the Stairbridge Town Hall next week. Also, we'll be finding out about The Fight, a brilliant film which has come to DVD and Blu-ray from Jessica Hines. She's written it, she stars in it and she's got an amazing cast alongside her too. Also, we'll be talking to one of the writers and stars and his co-star from the film Double Date. That's a bit of a comedy horror flick. Finding out about that one very soon. We'll hear about a special gig coming up in Hensford with Dave Luke, Chuck McAuliffe and Pete Bodis taking to the stage. That's on the way. We'll have music from Pete too. He's got a brand new CD out so we'll take a little listen to that. And we'll be talking to Danny Wallace about those gigs that you go to, because the other half wants to, even though you're not a fan. That's coming up on the show. But first of all, Robin Gordon has released Sinner via the Animal Farm record. She's with me now to tell me more about the track. Hello. Hello. So uh, where do all the influences come from in this one then? What's what's the background?
2: Right, okay, so Sinner for me is probably my teen angst song. Yeah. So it's not as teen angsty as some songs as it's type, but... Uh, It's just more about me growing up and how I felt. I always Mm -hmm. felt like a step, not a step above people in the sense of who I am, but in the sense of the way I thought. I was always quite older, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's still poignant now because the song talks about um, being full grown. And it's only now that I'm realising actually, if you live in right, you ne- you're never full grown. You're, you keep, so you keep enjoying
1: it. And, and, yeah. and and exploring yeah. and finding out new things.
2: Yeah. So and I think when I first wrote the song, uh, it was the first ever song where I actually thought, okay, I actually can I can write, and it's enjoyable, mm-hmm. and it sounds good, and it and it jows and it flows. So um, I always wanted that to be the first song that I put out for people. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I did it. So. And is there,
1: and it's out there and you yeah. must be pleased, it's on physical vinyl and CD as well? you? Oh, I wish, because
2: ah, um, yeah. I do like all the, you know, old type CDs, vinyl, but no, it's um, all music You're doing platforms. digital at the moment, yeah. Yeah, but uh, definitely once I've got a bit more of a collection I can come out with some CDs and stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe
1: hold, we'll save that for the album yeah, and yeah. then you can sign copies in real life. Yeah, oh,
2: that's, yeah we'll say. Yeah.
1: So what is your <laughs> instrument then?
2: Um, so, mainly voice for me. Mm-hmm. I am. I can play guitar self taught, just mainly just to write stuff. But and that looks and good on stage. stage as well, doesn't it? Yeah, and it does. <laughs> and I think once I get past the nerves of actually playing guitar for myself on stage, then we're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just mainly voice. Like, I like to experiment with it, like, do different things, like, because it is an instrument at the end of the day. It is. Um, so yeah, vocals is my instrument.
1: And then do you have a, a set band that you work with for live performances or is that something you're still building up to at the moment?
2: So yeah, big band-wise building up, so if anybody's out there, mm-hmm. let me know. Okay. Um, but no, I've got a, a guitarist, which is a good friend, named Lee Bond, mm-hmm. great guy. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, will come and do um, most of my acoustic gigs with me. Yeah, so
1: and a bit of session work as well when it comes to recording too, I'm yeah. going to guess. And with the recordings themselves, I mean, how do you approach that? Because it's very different to performing live. You're stood in front of a group of people, you get a reaction to the song. So how do you make that work for you when you are in the recording studio?
2: Oh, see, I think I prefer it more. No offence to the people that come and watch my live shows, but I just love it because I can just close my eyes, don't have to worry about how I look or anything like that. It's just pure music and pure passion in what I'm singing and how I feel about it, so studio is no problem for me. Live performance is more my You get a little
1: me. bit nervous. Yeah. But I mean, that that is one of those things that can could, could be time. How old are you now, my ask? I'm 22. So you're yeah, still a youngster when it comes to this world, and yeah. uh, this is, this is the point at which you want to start making an impact, and that's where the single comes in. So again, you're you're proud of what you've produced there, but what sort of back catalogue have you started to build up behind you at the moment?
2: Uh, so in terms of more stuff to put out, mm-hmm. so I have um, two ready. and we're just going to build up some promo stuff Mm -hmm. and I just want to decide which song I think would be best to put out next um, for the people that are listening to it. Um, So, yeah, two more, but I've got lots of new ones that are ready to be recorded, so Mm -hmm. next 12 months hopefully be able to get some more into that catalogue.
1: And it's getting things recorded and getting the reactions to it that allows you to, to form how your music sounds going forward because yeah. you, so you, you are putting together an individual sound, aren't you really?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to not necessarily go for the mainstream, I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, um, but then in the same breath I do want to try and keep with like real music, real instruments, mm-hmm. um, just because I find so much soul in my music that I find more soul in real instruments than beats mm. and stuff. But then I am always looking to experiment, as I said. So I'm not signing anything out, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and again, you are. Working, we with, say, with, with a lot of different musicians as well, okay, you've got your main guitarist, but it gives you a chance to get influences from them as well, yeah. doesn't
2: it? Yeah, of course. So I went to a uh, like an Arts College. Mm-hmm. So I met a lot of people through there who do different sorts of music. So I've got bands and DJs and stuff. So there's a lot of people that I know that I do want to work with. Um, and on a lot of different things. So yeah, I just, just keep eyes peeled for that one, I think.
1: Okay, that's one to watch out for. So, what does it mean to you as far as social media and all, all that side of things, goes? So at the age of 22, you've are you you've pretty much grown up with Twitter around you and yeah. uh, and Instagram is probably your friend.
2: Yeah, um, yeah I suppose. I, I see a lot of good and bad in social media. Um, I think great for promotion, like music and stuff, getting like a good message out to people, but then there's also um, the flip side with, uh, the pressures that it puts on young mm. people.
1: And, and is that touched on in the song Sinner as well? Is there some of that in there that's influenced the way you felt about things over time?
2: Um, yeah, I suppose so, because um, it's just mainly thinking about like how uh, I've, I've thought through what I'm doing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so what with social media, as much as I can look through and scroll and think, oh, their lives amazing. Actually, I know what I want to do with my life and it's almost just, a, it sets you back. Yeah. Um, so I suppose there could be elements of that in Sinner. Um, But, yeah, maybe social media is good and evil.
1: Mm -hmm. So, have you done a video for the song?
2: Uh, Not yet.
1: So, again, that's something you're building up to. And how do you think you'd approach that to tell that tale on screen alongside the music play?
2: Um, Oh, do you know, I haven't necessarily really thought into it. I'm not like... um, I'm creative, but then there are bounds to how
1: yeah.
3: creative is it. But, it,
1: but it, do, would you prefer it to be sort of a, a live set, or do you think you want to see some images that capture the song as, as part of that? Do you, do you think that might be the direction you're going?
2: I would say definitely more like natural live shots. So mm. yeah, like live performance stuff like that, mainly just because it's my first one, and I want people to see who I am as yeah. well. Yeah, and
1: get, get the image of you and understand what is behind you and yeah. the music. And so as you're starting to build that up with the other songs that you have to record, uh, I suppose it's uh, you know, 10 to 22 years old, but you've still got quite a bit of life experience. Yeah. Because of the way education works these days, it can sometimes shield us from what's going on around us. But equally, it's a, it's a chance to uh, you yeah, e- explore who you are before you do hit the big wide world.
2: Yep, definitely. I, I battled a lot with education, I heard you pick... Um to that point and i think for me um like going to an arts college i didn't finish my two years at that arts college um i didn't make it through a year and a half but that's (laughs) another story um yeah and i think it was just mainly to do with uh it's it was quite set Mm -hmm. so you learn this this is this it's a matter of fact where i'm quite unorthodox so you have a set this is this is a destination Mm -hmm. they're teaching you to go this way i'm Mm -hmm. saying but i can go this way yeah
1: and sometimes the path might be longer but it's a more enjoyable journey yeah
2: definitely and just being able to stay true to myself and not not waver from that so Mm -hmm. um yeah had a education yeah restrictive for some Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: but again there's lots of things that you can do around that and this is where you get to explore your own creativity and everything that you're doing now so where can people start to see that online
2: so um, stick with Facebook, Robin Gordon Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got my Twitter, which is Rockin' Robin, Robin with a Y. Yeah. And uh, my Instagram is Rockin' Robin as well. So uh, anything on there, I'll keep up links with music mm-hmm. videos. So they're the main three platforms to catch me on.
1: And then the actual single release can be found where.
2: Uh, Spotify um, Amazon Music literally any music streaming platforms it's even on YouTube um, so it's available just search Robin Gordon Cinna, whatever platform works for you yeah
1: and you'll find it there you can sit yeah. back listen to the music enjoy it and share it with your friends that's the thing yes please please <laughs> and I hope
2: you enjoy it most importantly
1: oh, excellent I mean good luck with everything else that is to come and we look forward to hearing more from you over the, the coming months and years
2: hopefully yeah lovely to meet you thank you for having me
3: It's a sin, then call me a sinner Cause I'm not bound down to no one I am a winner, winner. you want to taste of my success When you didn't want to know me yesterday How you gonna play me like that? I'm a player, you're gonna get played a sin and call me a sinner you say I've got a temper and I say baby look in the mirror mirror. while you're off I I'm still here providing everything and what if I sit back for a while see if you're fine I don't all-
1: That's Robin with her song Sinners. With the release on DVD and digital of The Fight from Pinpoint and Sparky Pictures, it promises to continue the success that it had on its theatrical release. Great reviews there, and something I'm sure Jessica Hines will be proud of. Hello. Hi there. So uh, you've had a massive involvement in this project. How did this one come about as your directorial debut?
4: I was inspired to make the film after going to a local boxing gym that had this incredible sort of cinematic light, it was an old Victorian boxing gym with red walls and beautiful high windows and lovely old leather punch bags, and <laughs> it just had such a nice atmosphere in it. I went to a box fit class there, and I just thought it'd be great to, to make up a story for this space somehow tell a story here and put a camera on it. And so I started to sort of think about what that story might be and sort of wrote down some ideas, and then it sort of shelved it for a while. I, I, I wasn't sort of going anywhere, you know, um, couldn't couldn't sort of get any traction. I think I took it to a producer. Mm-hmm. And then I met someone who was financing micro-budget films. And I thought, actually, that, that boxing film, all set in Folkestone, would be perfect for a micro-budget film for me to direct. Because obviously it's kind of in my hometown and all the locations are local. So I pitched it to this micro-budget financier, and um, and she went for it. So I sort of pitched it in March 2017, and then by July 2017, we were kind of making it. So I had the idea kind of on my computer, and then I just developed it over a few months from March to July. Mm -hmm. And then we were then filming it, and then by October 2018, the following year, we were at the London Film Festival. It happened kind of sort of, quite quickly, I suppose, but the idea had, had been a few years old by the time I actually finally managed to get it made.
1: But I suppose that gestation period helped, and being set in Folkestone, does this mean you, know, you ended up with a spare room full of Anita Dobson, Russell Brand and Christopher Fairbank at some point? Were they all <laughs> doss over at your place during the filming?
4: No, they were put in hotels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're used to seeing you the other side of the lens. So, yeah. what was it like being the writer and director on this?
4: Oh, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was something that I kind of wanted to do for for, for, for a long time, and actually, it was something I think that I had kind of sort of sort of convinced myself that I didn't want to do it anymore because I kind of sort of thought it probably wasn't going to happen.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: There's a sort of sad thing that happens sometimes, you know, in life when you kind of think that's probably not going to happen now, you know, that, that dream and you sort of shelve it. And then if anyone asks you, you go, Oh no, no, I don't really want to do that anymore. So I sort of almost got to that point um, in directing. And I think that made this all the more, you know, amazing and all the more fun mm-hmm. and all the more, you know, thrilling because I really had got to that stage and thought that it just wasn't going to happen
1: But uh, taking on the role as Tina yourself though I mean was it interesting from a directorial point of view directing yourself uh, but still having to explain to others what it was you were going to do and how you were directing that I suppose you almost had to be three people at some points at the same time rather than taking the roles individually.
4: Yeah I mean it- what I tended to do is I tended to leave all of my shots to the end so if I was filming a scene for example with me and somebody else then I would very much focus on them feeling comfortable and happy with what way they were doing so that felt like they knew what was happening and that they were clear on it and then I would do that coverage and then Mm -hmm. I would almost then at that point probably have a good idea about you know the performance they were giving in some cases I kind of knew for the most part kind of almost where I would be on them a lot as well so it gave me an idea of what it was I really needed to then get from me, as it were. Yeah. But um but I would just I would just always put my camera on myself at the last minute and just try and get it as quickly as possible. So it's the quickest point from A to B, really, when it when it came to getting my lines, I was I was quite sort of perfunctory about it, really, because I was very aware of time. So it was sort of just this is what we're going for. This is what we need to get. Um, I think we've got it. Mm-hmm. I would sort of have a sense: was it in focus? Did we get it? Did we get the sound? Did we record it?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I think there was a moment there that, you know, felt right. Let's move on. I, I tended less to think about my performance, which was quite liberating, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It is quite liberating.
1: So how does it this Tina's story come about, though? We, I mean, obviously, struggling wife. She's a mother. She's not got a great situation for our whole family. Mm-hmm. This story came out of the, the boxing gym. So I suppose, first of all, why were you in the boxing gym in the first place? Is this something you've experienced before? And then how did that story develop from there?
4: Uh, a local friend recommended it to me. My friend Kay, I was sort of interested in doing a fitness class or something. And she'd mentioned that she'd gone to this brilliant box fit class at this gym. She said, I said, oh, that sounds fun. She said, yeah, you'd love it don't you go down there. That's how I ended up
1: there. Where does Tina's story come from, though? Because obviously she's got uh, her own inner turmoil, which is using the boxing to uh, escape from, uh, mm. both physically uh, through uh, extending her uh, energies into that punch bag, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as, as well as that, metaphorically, uh, in, in, in the, the uh, punching, the, the, the images in her mind to, to take away the pain.
4: Absolutely. That is you bang on. That is exactly right. And that that idea kind of evolved with the story, you know, that, 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 that idea that that's how the story would go. I think when I was, you know, initially having the idea, I thought, well, a woman who wants to get in the ring, she's going to be angry. And, and how does she get angry and what's she angry about, you know, and how does that anger kind of manifest itself? And it, it, as I was developing it and the character, it just became natural to sort of look really beyond her immediate home life and look into her past and sort of work out then, okay, so where did that come from? So then the her sort of parents, Christopher Fairbanks and Anita Dobson, play so brilliantly, they sort of manifested themselves and I kind of just thought, Well it makes sense for that for that anger that she's carrying to to, to have come from her past, from her formative experiences and it's somehow tied also in with the anger and frustration that she was experiencing in the present, and and, and a need to resolve it somehow, but without confrontation, because that's what she's sort of trying to ultimately, at least negative confrontation. Mm-hmm. That's what she's trying to avoid. Um, she's trying to find her a, a path and a peace with her past, so she can live in the present with her family and and kind of be happy and let let that go. And and she kind of. Somehow, in, in in a way, really manages to do that through boxing. Cause just finding that the, the outlet in boxing gives her gives her the strength, I suppose, that she needs to let go.
1: And are you still now a member of the uh, of the same gym? Are you heading down there and taking care of any frustrations you've had in recent work life? But, no,
4: <laughs> I, I I I haven't done any boxing since I did the film. Actually, I was oh, yeah, I think I kind of got you know. I really I love. Doing it while I was doing the film, and I and I and I may go back, but I, I I went back actually because the the owner of the gym is such a nice guy. He he did a charity boxing match <laughs> that I I, that I um, introduced. I didn't I wasn't in the ring, mm-hmm. but um, to raise money for a local pride event. And um, just true to his his good-natured generous self, he, he lent the gym, and I came, I went back and introduced the fight. So that was quite recently. It was lovely to go back there and see everyone, and yeah raise some money for a good cause so but I haven't actually been back in the ring yeah I'm going to stick to Zumba I think (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, with all the work you've been doing recently on things like years and years, it, you've been so busy of late. Anyway, I, d- I dread to think how hey, you could possibly fit timing for this sort of stuff. When I mean, we we see you on screen, uh, an appropriately large amount, which is absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to seeing the film. I haven't seen it myself yet, but it is available on DVD and digital. Pinpoint and Sparky Pictures. So I take it we're looking on all the usual outlets to be able to pick up a copy. Yes, yeah,
4: I hope people enjoy it. It's you know it's funny in places, <laughs> and I'm really proud of it. <laughs>
1: Well, look out for Tina Bell's story as written, directed and portrayed by Jessica Hines, available on DVD and digital. It is The Fight. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing where you go with both your directing, writing and, of course, the wonderful acting as we head through the next few months and years.
4: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. In a moment's time,
1: we'll be hearing from Chuck McAuliffe all about a gig taking place this coming Friday night. But before we do, let's take some music now from Pete Boddice from his brand new CD.
6: Lost in your city When I flew in today When last we met I left in a hurry Life got in the way Since you've been gone I've been thinking about you Almost every day So I thought I'm just going to see you so that I could say, you are the one for me, the only one for me, you are the one who always Hard to love someone like you until the end. You are the one for me, the only one for me. You are the one who always pulls me through. You are the one.
1: Friday the 13th of September at 730 the doors will be opening up at St Peter's Church in Hensford because there's going to be a very special show. Dave Luke, Chuck McAuliffe with special guest Pete Bodis on stage. How are you doing Chuck? Hey, good Jason, how are you? I am at the standard spokesman for these events. It's good to have a natter with you but there we go.
0: Well it's been few and far between this year but uh, yeah we're doing a special show uh, coming up in Hensford and looking forward to it.
1: Live country folk, blues, Americana. If you love that sort of stuff, you're going to love the show, aren't you? I certainly hope so.
0: <laughs> Dave and I have been, talking, we've been playing together for about 26 years. If we don't have it right yet, then we're going to have to give up.
1: <laughs> It'll <will> be absolutely <laughs> awesome. Well, Pete Boddy <laughs> celebrates his 75th birthday on the night and he's been playing live for at least 80 years, so I don't know how he did that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I heard that Pete sang in utero. so it's going to be an absolutely brilliant night isn't it yeah well we always have a great time when we we share the stage with Pete and uh, he's just had a new CD out so we're looking forward to hearing some tracks off his new CD Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: uh, this is the first time that I think Dave and I have ever played in a church so that's going to be uh, unique.
1: Fingers crossed you don't get struck down at any point.
0: Uh, well, I, I know I won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a worry with Dave, isn't it? To be fair, but there we go. So, um, what what else can we expect from you on the night? Is there anything that uh, has been requested in advance?
0: Well, we we've, uh, we'll we'll definitely do a, an encore with Pete. We we all like doing a rousing uh, version of uh, John Prine's Paradise. That's in the pocket. Uh, Dave and I, uh, well, we, we we're trying to do uh, select familiar tunes that our audiences have heard over the years, and and uh, put them together, and uh, and create a nice atmosphere in the church. That's that's the whole game plan, right?
1: Well, now. the thing is that the acoustics are going to be amazing. We already know that from the outset. So you put some brilliant music in there too. It's going to yes. be a glorious night.
0: Yeah, and we'll be having our good buddy uh, Bruno Edwards uh, handle our sound. Bruno's worked with us. Uh, for years, like all through the *Health and Happiness* show, years at the block switch, he's a very, he's a very confident sound man. So very, that... very good, good ears and great heart.
1: It's going to make the uh, the night even more special, I'm sure. And uh, yeah. I, uh, a rousing chorus of "Happy Birthday" for Pete, because as we say, it is his seventy-fifth birthday on the night.
0: I know, yeah, yeah. We'll have the whole whole place dancing for happy birthday for Pete.
1: That should be good. And um, what else has been yeah. going on with you and uh, Dave? Have you got any more new music?
0: Uh, well, not in the CD form. We're we're still still working the uh, shadows and light, which has uh, gained us a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, acknowledgements mm-hmm. uh, over the UK. And I've I've uh, turned my head towards Canada too. So it it with being independent, we we don't move that fast. <laughs> <laughs> On, on cds but there's, there's, there's uh, no pressure but,
1: yeah it does mean though that you get to hone the music and do it the way you want to which is uh, what brings your sound to life
0: well that that's that's the plus side that's for sure that's all good uh, that definitely for sure
1: so the evening is live country folk blues and americana Dave Luke Chopmicole for special guest Pete Bodis St Peter's Church Hensford that's on Church Hill Hensford CANIC WS12 1BD it is Friday the 13th doors at 7:30 the concert is at 8 tickets are priced at 10 pounds you can get those from St Peter's Church or by contacting Rob Plum on 01543 275925 that's 275925 stick the 01543 in the front for the uh, the CANIC prefix and you can have a great time literally rocking in the aisles
0: well hopefully and praying at the same time we're multitasking that night
1: I think that will do the (laughs) job Chuck always good to speak to you keep up the good work and we look forward to seeing you soon
0: thank you sir
6: right next track is Our Love Will Exceed It All which is the title track of the album as they're all sort of love songs and I've said so our love will exceed it all (laughs) As high as the eagle flies As soft as the lullaby As sad as the songbirds call And our love will exceed it all now, love will exceed it all. We walk on the sinking sand, we bend to life's demands, we fall where angels fall. Fly when you need to fly. Don't let the chance go by and dream when your dreams call. And now. See it all So fly when you need to fly Don't let The chance go by And dream When your dreams call And now love Will exceed it all And now love Will exceed it all As high As the eagle flies As soft As a lullaby As sweet As the songbirds call And now love Will exceed it all And now it all And now
1: Bank Musical Theatre Youth Society are going to be at Stourbridge Town Hall from the 18th through to the 21st of September. Sweeney Todd: The Demon Barber of Fleet Street is their show. I'm joined now by Sweeney Todd on the end. That's James. We have Darcy and we have Alex and Alex. So uh, let's have a little bit of an after and find out a bit more about the show. Uh, so uh, you, you look a bit Sweeney Toddish. The hair thing there. Obviously, no one's <laughs> cut that recently. So uh, uh, you, you, you're preparing yourself for being a demon barber.
7: Yeah. I'd- I don't think I'll have this hair, I think I get to wear a wig. That's cool. So, um, but yeah, I've felt pretty prepared because uh, I'm passionate about this role.
1: Yeah, well, it, it is a big role and it's uh, not like the film. Anybody who's worried, it isn't all blood, guts and gore. It is a great, a, it's a fun family musical. It, it, it is something you didn't take the kids to. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, the youth society wouldn't be doing it, would you?
7: <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's a lot more light-hearted than the film mm-hmm. because obviously... One, we can't get the special effects for all the gore, and what? two, it's just not written that way. It's a lot more lighthearted, There's lots of funny scenes, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you can definitely bring your kids to come and watch it.
1: Okay, so we've we've, we've met Swinney Todd Darcy. Who are you?
2: Um, I'm playing Mrs. Lovett. So
1: that's an important one ahead um, of pies.
2: Yeah. Well, she yeah. I don't want to give everything away. Okay, well, I, I, I
1: think with Sweetie Todd, there are, there are not that many things we can class yeah. as spoilers because it's, a bit of a, it's been around a little while.
2: <laughs> She's a bit insane, isn't she? I mean, <laughs> who, who thinks of doing that? It's, but it's mm-hmm. a really exciting part to play. Yeah. Very excited.
1: And again, it's, it's part of the fun of it. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's the accents which are going to be fun to do as yeah, well, isn't yeah. it? Because we're, we're all there, yeah, based down south in London. So uh, I think that kind of adds to the fun of the mm-hmm. show.
2: Yeah, I've been trying to channel my inner Angela Lansbury. Yeah. Kind of trying to get that sort of, you know. Copy. And he, he gets me
1: your Dick Van Dyke, is that's what we're saying?
8: I just growl okay.
1: my <laughs> way through <laughs>
2: Very angry. Yeah. So that,
1: but, I mean, that is vented. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so.
2: it's good to see the contrast between our two characters. I think that's what gives it the more, oh, yeah. like, comical side of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So.
1: Okay, let's move over to the Alex corner over here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we, which, uh, we'll go with curly head, Alex, to begin with. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you've been doing some great stuff on stage of late. You've been having some fun uh, yeah. over at the Hippodrome. So, that was that was a bit of a giggle. So, it's yeah. going to be good to be back with
8: your family at Quarry Bank? Yeah, I'm I'm buzzing because as amazing as West Side Story was, I feel like I'm loads closer with Quarry Bank and I've known all these people for years and I love Sweeney Todd. It's a great show. And who are you? I'm playing Anthony Hope. And then what does Anthony get up to in this show? He kind of just... He's kind of like Sweeney's little tool to get him what he wants, mm-hmm. but he's also, he has his own little romance with Joanna, mm-hmm. and he yeah, goes on his own little journey to get,
1: win Joanna's heart. Okay, Joanna. Okay, Alex. Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell us a, a bit more about the, the trials and tribulations you've put in with him.
4: Well, I mean, I've worked with him a few times, so he's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really nice being at Corrie Bank because it's a really nice big family, and um, yeah, I mean, I've played opposite you quite a few times. So yeah, it's, it's really fun.
1: And when you're uh, approaching a show like this, it's, it is all about the big musical numbers as well. And uh, you, I mean, you will fill the stage at Stairbridge Town Hall, won't you? There is going to be so much going on.
4: Yeah, I mean, there's some really awesome musical numbers in this show. Um, we have a very difficult duet. Um, Darcy and James also have a really fun duet as well. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really interesting music and the lyrics are really clever and witty and it's just really funny as well. So it's
1: so certainly one to get along and see and uh, yeah, there's, there's always a project going on so there's always something to look forward to uh, as, the, as the next project and uh, each time you're doing one of these I should, I should think you're you you, you're all eager to, to learn a bit more and, and do a bit more yeah. on stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, we need ticket information, James is gonna tell us that. So uh, how do people book their tickets?
7: Well you can either book online at ct.co.uk uh, qbmtys-sweeney or you can ring up uh, 07 704
1: so those are the details, nice and simple to get on there. But, and again, it's, it's worthwhile looking out for Quarry Musical Theatre on Facebook, and the youth got your own little page as well, haven't you? So you can check out all the details. Uh, are there plenty of action shots from rehearsals as well? So you can get a flavour of what's going yeah, on. Yeah. And it's, it's been a labour of love for several you know, weeks, months now, hasn't it? So it's all going to be good when it comes to the stage. It is Stourbridge Town Hall. It's the 18th through until the 21st of September. Get yourself along, see a brilliant brunch. Uh, break a leg, have a great time, and we look forward to uh, seeing the fruits of your labours on stage. Thank, Thank you. Thank
6: you very much. Right, the next track, Jody Blue. Jodie Blue was a lady who knew how to turn a trick or two Beneath the grind. she was a fine young woman of twenty-two It was sad Cause she really wasn't bad She was just doing best What she knew how to A gentle soul With a heart of gold And if you asked She would give it to you Johnny Jim was a lonely young man Make a living Working for the well to do Each day's end He'd be looking for a friend To pass an hour or two For a quiet boy was not so bold City streets were awfully cold Till he met a kindred soul In the shape of Jody Blue Two lonely people Meeting in the night How can a thing so wrong Be so right How can a thing so wrong, be so right? Well, they sat together in a backstreet bar and they talked about the way things were and the dreams they both had of how things ought to be. They were both looking for the very same thing, a one-way road to the eternal ring. Bound them both to everything They never wanted to be Raised in the heart of a city waste Maybe they're reaching far above their place But they both knew they could not face The only future they could see So like two actors in their own little show Talked on places they could go, places where no one would know, no one would ever see Two lonely people meeting in the night. How can a thing so wrong be so right? How can a thing so wrong? Be so right Johnny smiled and said Well I'm sorry to say Just cannot afford to pay For the love you cannot give away To a boy like me Jody said Johnny Don't you put yourself down Cause tonight in you I believe I've found a little hope for two city clowns Like you and me and Johnny, I think it will be alright For you and I to spend the night Till the darkness turns to light We'll let the world go free For a few short hours They forgot the world Found in each other Boy and girl Love more precious Than any jewel that You will ever see Two lonely people Meeting in the night How can a thing so wrong Be so right How can a thing so wrong Be so right yeah, Jodie Blue was a lady who knew how to turn a trick or two beneath the ground. Well, she was a fine young woman of 22. And it was sad, cause she really wasn't bad. She was just doing best, what she knew how to. A gentle soul with a heart of gold, and if you ask, she'll give it to you. Two lonely people meeting in the night. How can a thing so wrong be so right? Yeah. How can a thing so wrong be so right? Hey Jody, Jody Blue.
1: Double Date is now available on DVD and Blu-ray. To tell us more about this rather frightening feast of entertainment, I'm joined by Danny Morgan and Michael Socha. Hello to you both. Hey. Uh, Jace, you all right? All good here, and uh, obviously you both enjoy scaring people, and uh, uh, Danny, I think you, you take more responsibility in this than most, don't you?
8: Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I I, I love horror, and um, but I, as soon as I started writing this, I knew it was always going to be... Probably mostly comedy. I, I think it's ended up at about seventy-five percent comedy, twenty-five percent <laughs> horror. But uh, yeah, there's definitely some scares in there. Yeah. But I think
1: comedy horror is, is a genre which more people love because you do get those frights. But as a, yeah, something to put a smile on your face as you go through the whole yeah gore fest.
8: Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a bit messed up. I laugh at proper horror. <laughs> oh, okay. I Find horror just hilarious. And when something terrifying happens, I laugh. I don't know if it's a nervous reaction or what, but. No, yeah, this is definitely um, more comedy than horror, but uh, it's it's definitely not for the faint-hearted.
1: Well, it all surrounds your character's 30th birthday party because you're playing Jim. That's right. And uh, then tying in with this, you've got a rather annoying best mate, uh, which is uh, Alex played by Michael. And then, Michael, uh, uh, were you pleased to be cast in this role?
8: Oh, most definitely, yeah. Mm. Um, I um, I think initially when, when... uh, I was first approached with with the role. I wanted to go and figure
7: out a little bit more about the um, the director and producer. So we had, we had a meeting and just instantaneously fell in love with a pair of them, uh, with three of them actually in the, in the room. And I, I knew I wanted to be part of, of this. Yeah, project, it was wicked. I had
1: a, a real blast. Well, the, the story centres around uh, Jim's lack of uh, achievements uh, with the opposite sex, and yeah. uh, it, uh, approaching 30, uh, he wants to make sure that uh, he has uh, known some pleasure in his life, and uh, there's a, an opportunity for a double date, but this doesn't necessarily always go to plan, does it?
8: No, no, I'll, that's putting it lightly, mate. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it, it's the worst date you could possibly imagine, uh, it just—it's just a nightmare from start it to finish. Depends who you are. That's <laughs> true. If,
4: That's if true.
8: If you're a nutcase psychopath, if you're a serial killer, killer, maybe you'd really enjoy. Yeah, be amazing. Then like, it's a total specimen. than it. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't have gone better. <laughs> no. But if, if you're a, if you're a normal sweet uh, guy or a virgin or a slightly cocky best friend uh it's an absolute shocker
1: <laughs> well they say these the stunning sisters do have virgin sacrifice potentially on the cards and uh, so where else does the story go uh, uh, around all of this
8: yeah so it, the, the whole thing follows the, the two pairs uh, first act is them separately and then they come together and they meet and then they go on the date and the majority of the film is the one night that they spend together. So they go to a nightclub uh, at some point, they have to quickly make a detour to my parents. And when we meet Alex's dad and, uh, and then it all culminates with them taking the boys back to their country house um, where they've got something terrible in mind. And the guys <laughs> have got something very different in mind. Um, and uh, so that's sort of the, the, the one joke that I managed to drag out for an hour and a half <laughs> but um yeah so it, that's basically it. it's most of it, it's one night starts off in London and then we end up in the countryside
1: and when you come into writing something like this how much of your own experiences have you based this upon because I'm, I'm intrigued as to quite whether this is just the product of a warped mind or probably a really bad date
8: <laughs> it's probably a bit of both to be honest <laughs> um yeah it's It definitely came from me wanting to write about um, things that anxieties that I had around dating and stuff and trying to explore that. And so I just had this idea that, you know, a guy, a really nervous guy who wants to confront those fears with the help of his best friend and finally, finally confronts that fear and goes on a date. But this just so happens is the night that uh, he really shouldn't have taken the date. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I just liked that idea, but it's definitely um, some personal experience in there.
1: And, and Michael, with uh, with being human, uh, one of the, the shows you've worked on in the past, you've got a bit of yeah. experience of, of this genre in some ways, and uh, the uh, supernatural, yeah, yeah. So you you you're used to being out there with some weird, freaky stuff happening. <laughs> yeah,
8: I've just got Danny staring at me. Um, I had a really good time with it. Oh, it was I, it was such a laugh. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Every day was just was just dead fun. And yeah, you you do hear it an awful lot
7: from from actors and directors and producers saying how, how so much fun it was, and all that. But no, it was, it was great. It was a real joy.
1: Well, uh, it's going to uh, amuse, uh, hopefully scare a little bit, uh, but but certainly uh, bring a lot of fun to our screens. Uh, available now on DVD and Blu-ray, and digital download as well.
8: Yes, mate, on uh, Amazon and iTunes, and a few other places, and it's in all good Woolworths. <laughs>
1: if only. Double dates available now. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Michael.
8: Thank you.
6: Thank you, mate. Right, our last track. We should leave you on a happy note, but we never do. (laughs) This is Without the Music. Sometimes I'll think it's time for me walk away, to let it be And then I think how would life be Without the music The simple word, the melody The catchy rhyme that touches me But I know there's no harmony without the music so to those who stop and stare at we old fools who stand up there standing there to turn the pages standing like a rock of ages just to say before I go Just to say So that you know I know there will be no show Without the music So let the final show begin And when it ends Go round again And again And again For we know Life would end without the music. So, to those who stop and stare at, we old fools who stand up there, standing there to turn the pages, standing like the rock of ages. So let the final show begin And when it ends, go round again And again
1: New research reveals that Brits are spending £965 million a year going to entertainment venues they wouldn't necessarily have chosen themselves. Is it because they're being nice or are they are just creeping with their partners and friends? So tell us more. I'm joined now by Danny Wallace, comedian, author of the Yes Men and TV presenter as well. Hello.
7: Hello, Jason. How's it going?
1: All good here and uh, I trust we find you well and uh, probably with a list of gigs that you didn't really want to go to.
7: Ah, that is that is the thing I mean have you have you been guilty of this or not guilty have you have you done this for someone else
1: I well I am generally nice but I tend to hang around with people with similar tastes to me so I, I I can't think of anything offhand that I've gone to that I absolutely thought no I've got to sit through that now have I but in the main part it, it I I tend to think well sometimes these things can be quite expensive and I tend to put the money towards a DVD or a CD of the actual thing in question
7: what a Selfish young man you are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite heartwarming research. It's all this research by our friends at um, at Barclay Card. And I think it it really paints us in quite a nice light. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of imagining lots of other people rather than you, Jason, who's just sitting <laughs> at home with you with your DVD. Basically, it it's w- sort of works like this. People have used their card, they get deals on gigs, and then it's about persuading their other halves that it's like, you know, this is going to be great, so like you say, a lot of people hang around with people with very similar tastes, but very often in a relationship say, um, you kind of put those interests to one side, you know um, there's various bands that in the past that I've really wanted my wife to go and see but I've, I've sort of thought, maybe she won't want to kind of come with me, and yet being quite an open woman, she comes with me and by the end of it, has, has a, a fantastic time, and the same is true of almost anything, whether it's um, I don't know, it could be anything, it could be your mate saying do you want to go and see some Romanian wrestling tonight or or cosmic prog rock and you Jason you're like no I've got my DVDs I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly happy whereas a more open person would be like do you know what I am gonna go and see Romanian wrestling and according to these uh these stats here uh, about 68 percent of people who go to a gig that they might not have chosen themselves um, end up loving it and so you become a sort of more rounded person I would argue that's my argument anyway
1: I, know, I have been to some absolutely fantastic stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think I oh, like that often because there was a ticket discount deal and I do like a good discount so uh, I know at the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton a couple of years back they had a programme and I think I booked about 10 events because of the way the pricing worked out and some of them well, yeah I, they're a bit weird but others were just awesome
7: well, exactly. And you get suggested these, you know, obviously this comes from Bartley Card and they, they you know, they, uh, they do that kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, if, you, if you're doing that and you're getting all these offers on, uh, on on things, it sometimes seems silly not to not to kind of open your mind. Although I have to say as well, as a parent, um, kind of, you know, uh, most of my life is, uh, is going to things that I wouldn't normally have chosen. And that, in fact, would be a bit weird if I had. <laughs> so, you know, going off to see a play about a sad train. Um, and yet there isn't a single gig I've seen that I would say I ever regret. Because you go, you experience something, whether it is music or whether it's comedy or whether it's theatre or, or or an odd play in the West End, um, and you come out with new sort of thoughts and new experience. And so I'm not surprised that that people are generally very positive about this, and mm-hmm. not surprised also that Britain spends. Pretty much a billion pounds a year um, going to these events um, and um, and sort of experiencing them. So hopefully you'll put your DVDs aside.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, there is that. I mean, I I, I absolutely loved going to see uh, the Octonauts on stage. That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, And uh, yeah, reason You were you like, were with uh, children though. To yeah, be clear. the nephews were there. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was you know it is great to, to to think of the fact. I mean, for the fact there's a billion pounds which. Is, is a, well, yeah, do I really want to see this? And it turns into a great thing. You know there's also another billion pounds, the other side of those tickets, which are the person you love enjoying a fantastic show because you went with them.
7: Well, exactly. And that's the thing. I think that a lot of people do this to spend time with the other halves and, and to show an interest. However, there is a darker side, Jason. Is that? And, you know, oh, yeah. It's called, well, they're calling it Gig Pro Quo, mm-hmm. which is essentially... You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You come with me to see cowboy folk rock, and then I will go with you to see whatever crazy thing you have been keeping a secret in this marriage for so long. Unicorns on
1: ice, that sort of thing.
7: Exactly. Um, Or it could even be not a straight kind of ticket swap. It could be, look, I'll come with you tonight if I can have a lie-in on Saturday. Um, And the research has kind of borne that out, that uh, (laughs) as well as being selfless... Uh, many of us are quite selfish.
1: But as long as everybody's happy... And as long as everyone's th- That's what counts.
7: Exactly, and no, I'm <laughs> with you on that.
1: Yeah, it works well. And um, is there anything you don't think you would go to that the other half might ask you to?
7: Well, do you know, it, it wasn't my other half, but it was a friend of mine just the other day who looked at me with uh, huge and pleading eyes um, saying, will you come with me this afternoon? My friend has dropped out uh, to l- l- watch wrestling basically, but a very strange type of wrestling. It was kind of um, a a wrestling circuit I'd never heard of um, where people get hit with chairs quite a lot. And (laughs) on that occasion, I'm sad to say um, I I, I declined. However, I'm sort of inspired now. And uh, I think were I to be asked to uh, attend an event where men hit each other with chairs, I would say yes.
1: As long as the chairs are complicit as well, I'm fine with that, but there we go. Yeah, as long as
7: the chairs are happy, yeah.
1: Yeah, so lots of great stuff out there, and obviously you've got the peace of mind when you're buying uh, for a gig through Barclay Card that you've got the uh, all the cover that you get with a credit card deal, and of course the Barclay Card have, have sponsored many venues. They love live events so much.
7: It certainly seems that way, and, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, you can become, a, it's quite a nice word for it, a gig diplomat. you know? I, I, you're being <laughs> di- diplomatic at home, but also you're getting to see a gig.
1: That, that sounds good to me. Where can we go to find out more about all the fantastic gigs that Barclaycard are helping you get along to?
7: Well, you can head to barclaycard.co.uk. And...
1: Pop along there, and there's lots of links to all sorts of stuff, and the uh, the areas they support, and of course more on this survey, and you can find out probably whether or not you are in the, uh, the, the the top bits of the selfless parts of the population, or just like me, tight one or the other. It'll work out that way.
7: <laughs> With your DVDs. Yes,
1: <laughs> I'm happy. I, I buy the Mama Barkley card. <laughs> Danny Wallace, comedian, author of Yes Man and TV presenter. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jason. That's all lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 534 next
6: week.
4: I'll
1: see you there. we off for now.
0: Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk from the milk bar.
5: Yeah.